0: Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Momony podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thanks for joining me for another episode 105. I can't believe we're already here. Um, and uh, a few episodes to go before I wrap up this season and take my little summer break. But before I do that, I still have quite a few uh, episodes to share, including this one uh, where I interview Carrie Taylor, a very well-known personal finance personality here in Canada. You can find out more about her on her blog, squawkfox.com, which of course I will link to in the show notes, discmoralescom slash 105. Uh we talk a ton about her journey into personal finance, uh, what got her interested in, uh, you know, learning more about money and uh, writing about it to uh, share her expertise with everybody, but also uh, the secondhand economy. She's kind of an expert when it comes to, uh, you know, figuring out how to make money by selling stuff that you have in your closet, but also not just buying stuff that's new, buying stuff that's secondhand. Uh, what a concept! Uh, you know, things are becoming a little bit more, you know, kind of normal. Lots of people do that, you know. On Craigslist and Kijiji and Buns and all these crazy things. So, uh, we chat all about uh, how she does it to save money and kind of some tips along the way that she would like to share with you. Uh, and before I get to that episode, Thank you so much to Wealthsimple for deciding to support this episode of the podcast. Thanks so much, Wealthsimple. Uh, if you don't know, is the fastest growing automated investing service in Canada. Wealthsimple uses smart technology to help you create and manage a diversified investment portfolio, saving you time and money. And if you go to Wealthsimple.com slash Jessica Morehouse, uh, readers and listeners, you, uh, if you want to get your investments on I highly recommend well simple uh, love them a long time you can go to wellsimple.com jessicamorehouse house and your first ten thousand dollars of investments will have no management fees for one year and you'll want to take advantage of this offer before it goes away uh, so we have until April 30th to take advantage of this uh, special offer so make sure to go to wellsimple.com jessicamorehouse house if you're you know trying to figure out how to invest your money uh, wellsimple is one of the ways you can do it. All right, enough yabbering. Let's get to that interview. Thanks Carrie for joining me on the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks, Jessica. You're welcome. <laughs> um so I'm excited to chat with you cuz you've been I think you are one of the oldest and not by age, I mean, I mean oldest bloggers in that. You've started your blog back in 2008, which is a while ago, you're a very like a veteran blogger of the personal finance sphere.
1: I know, but when I look at it, I don't see it that way because there were so many people before me. Yeah. So I'll, when I think of like the veterans, I think of people like the Canadian capitalist. Like mm-hmm. he was like one of the first bloggers I would read, or a, a blog that used to be called Four Pillars. That was another blog that I would follow, and it was usually just guys. Yeah. And
0: um, were you and one because- of the first kind of women? bloggers I feel like in my experience like when I started getting into the personal finance blogs you were one of the like few female bloggers at the time
1: you know I I don't know I think maybe I was one of the first to use storytelling Mm -hmm. and use like uh like my personal stories and I talked about you know girl stuff like I talked about you know stuff that guys don't talk about like um menstruation the cost of <laughs> periods like i went there right yes and somebody's do <laughs> of, yeah and i just i kind of talk i didn't just talk about investing in etfs and yeah. index funds and you know calculating your management expense ratio mm-hmm. um that stuff got me going too but it's kind of like you know what there are costs everywhere yeah. personal finance is more than just investing mm-hmm. personal finance is how much you pay for your rent or how quickly you pay down your debt, or your groceries, mm-hmm. or how much you're spending on clothing—like everything that touches money—to me became my f- personal finance. So, mm-hmm. whenever I saw an expense that was a repeatable expense and it seemed like an unsustainable way to live, I would look for ways to cut that cost. Yeah. So, um, Why well, know so? I, of- I became really, you know, really keyed into looking at like the kind of stuff that I would buy and then mm-hmm. have to throw out. To me, that was really poor personal finance yep. planning. Cause it's like all these products that are designed for the trash can. And I was like, yep. well, that's my money. Exactly. So I started looking at it from, um, from that perspective mm-hmm. and I just sharing those stories of the kind of adventures I would go in, um, you know, creating less garbage and buying less stuff and how that impacted, my wellness or, Mm -hmm. you know, my bottom line. Mm -hmm. And, um, I looked for alternatives too. So there was an expensive product in the market. I would try to make it for less. Yes. So that, that was my kind of brand. And that was like what I was playing with. And it just, Mm -hmm. it was fun and it was different. So Mm-hmm. If people, if women connected with me, that's cool. If guys connected with me, that was cool. And I just kind of kept, kept going because it was fun.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, I know one of the kind of blog posts that I, there's two blog posts that I associate with you because they were very popular when they came out and they were very impactful when i remember reading them and one of them was mm-hmm. just like the simple one where you were comparing uh, a starbucks uh drink with one that you made and yeah. you're able to get the price down crazy and it looks exactly the same so that's kind of what you're kind of talking about is like oh wow this is kind of maybe something people buy on the daily and they didn't realize if they can make it on their own they could be saving like 80 percent or whatever and the second would be yeah. your wedding which costs like 300 dollars, which is mind-blowing
1: yeah, I mean, well, the 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 um the Starbucks coffee frappuccino thing. I was like, mm-hmm. I think it was called like how to make a Starbucks frappuccino for like thirty seven cents. Yeah, and I basically I was living in rural Canada and I went, I drove my little smart car to a Starbucks because I wanted a treat, mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe that these things cost four dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, now they're more, but I, I know like, now I think they're like six or who knows what. But yeah, <laughs> well,
1: and I asked, I asked the breeder, I'm like, what the heck is in this thing? So Mm -hmm. she pulled out the um, ingredient list and I'm like, well, heck, I can (laughs) make that at home. I bought one and then I, I, she gave me an extra cup Mm -hmm. and I'm like, and I'm like busting home in my smart car before this thing melts. Mm -hmm. And I, I break out like all my ingredients and I just start making one. And my kitchen was a disaster because I really kind of, Made the first few that were awful, mm-hmm. but it took me a while to figure out how to make it delicious, mm-hmm. and I started photographing it, and that yeah. darn post was yeah. so viral, yeah, it was um it was everywhere yeah it was yeah. I couldn't believe like I was huge in Japan for a while and I was, I <laughs> but um and it it was it was cool because, um yeah, it just brought in so many different eyeballs, and it yeah. was fun because I'd never had a post that that had like like two hundred and fifty thousand views in less than twenty four hours. It was like holy crap! And then Life Hacker picked it up, and then it just went huge. So yeah, um, that was fun. But the wedding one that was completely another organic thing. I just thought, you know, I live on a farm. I'm just going to buy a secondhand wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I don't have enough space at the kitchen table to invite a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know. Carl and I just, my husband now, just thought, you know, we don't need a big wedding. We've been together for 10 years. Yeah. It's, you know, the gig is up. Yeah. And um, we just kind of kept small, right? Yeah. We didn't need anything. We didn't I, We didn't need bridal showers yeah. or, you know, anything of that sort. So I just kind of went to Costco, bought flowers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't understand why people send thousands and thousands on flowers. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll just get what's in season. I know. Got a secondhand dress. My friends took pictures, so mm-hmm. we had little cameras that they could use. Mm-hmm. Um, they took videos of us, and it was really kind of fun. We did all the setup and take down ourselves. We just used the kitchen chairs and moved them from outside and moved them inside. Mm-hmm. And we barbecued a salmon. Like it just, I don't know. It just, it's the way you do it on the farm. I guess. Yeah. And That's you just have people drop in and yeah, hang out. And there were no gifts, so people didn't feel obligated. Yeah. And um, people brought bottles of wine and. It was it was really fun because there was no stress, no mess, and our mm-hmm. biggest expenses were really um, the wedding license yeah. and paying for the commissioner to come out. Mm-hmm. So I think in all it was about five hundred dollars. Yeah, um, and the, my wedding dress was a silk secondhand gown I bought on eBay, and it costs about a hundred bucks Nice. and I put pictures of it online and showed people how I made my bouquet. And I thought, you know what? Like, I don't understand why people feel they need to spend 35, $40,000 on this one day. Yeah. Because instead Carl and I went on a really awesome trip and Mm -hmm. you know, you don't need a bubble machine to get hitched is what I'm saying. You know, all you need is a wedding license and a commissioner. And after you have those two things, the bubble machine doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's all you need to get Married, so Mm -hmm. it just seemed everything beyond the certificate and the commissioner just seemed like too much, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're still married and we bought a house and paid for it in full, and um, life goes on, (laughs)
0: yeah. No, yeah, clearly, no regrets from the uh frugal wedding and from the people that I have. I mean, I've never you know encountered someone who's like I wish I spent more on my wedding <laughs> you know it's like no everyone's like damn I wish I, I spent less
1: yeah yeah absolutely most people are are regretful of spending that much especially mm-hmm.
0: if they get dehitched
1: or yes. decoupled or divorced uh, <laughs> or separated right they're like man I wish I had that money mm-hmm. but um I've never regretted spending so so little and I've actually had a number of people leave really dreadful comments because they're like you used facebook to invite your friends to your wedding and I'm like well, yeah, they're all kind of nearby and local. It didn't seem like yeah. a big deal. We're on all on Facebook anyways. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like my, my invite went viral or anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, Who cares? People drove up to the farm. And, yeah. You know, like, it was pretty cash. And it was fun because people just kind of let loose. We had croquet mm-hmm. and, I don't know, we just hung out with the... Mm-hmm. on the farm. It was beautiful.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I feel like but lots yeah, of no one people... ever regrets. Underspending. No. no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I, I tried to be as frugal as can be for my wedding, but I still spent $15,000. And that's like, even thinking of that number I'm like, that is so much money for one day, one day that went by in a flash, one day where it's uh-huh. like, I didn't even have time to have, you know, have a uh, bite of the wedding cake, because it just went, it was just so busy and crazy. Oh, so, really? oh uh, no. I know, I know, I'm still bitter, I think.
1: But, <laughs> the major expenses, though, right? Your major expenses are probably food, it was and food, food and space? booze in the
0: venue. Yeah, that's what it, That's what did it. That's what did it. So it's like, had we we, you know, and we had 75 it. people, and it's, you know, the more people you have, the more expensive it's going to get. So basically everyone I encounter that they're thinking of getting married or they got engaged, I'm like, you know, elope <laughs> or do something yeah. very small because you will, you know, and then just, you know, yeah, like go on an awesome honeymoon or trip after or put that towards a house or, you know, your first place together. I mean, so many well, better ways. I, I think
1: I made a comment that that the more like the the cost of the wedding itself is really – um. The more people you invite, the more expensive it's going to be because all of a sudden then you need like a bigger venue and more food. And then for some reason, women need a bigger dress. (laughs) So like the bigger the venue, the bigger, Mm -hmm. the more people. It's like, oh my gosh, I need like a bigger showier dress. So Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, if you can, if you can limit the guest list, you're laughing.
0: I know. Absolutely. I think
1: that's key. The people who want to come won't be laughing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I dealt with some really sad family members and I'm like, Hey man, you've met Carl, you've met Mm -hmm. me. Um, you know, we live in rural BC, you'd have to fly, you know, 10 hours to get here. So it's like, um, why don't you just come visit and there'll be no pomp and circumstance. It'll be fun. Exactly. We'll take you on Hayride. It'll be all good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So one thing I'd love to pick yeah, your so brain wedding on. Wedding and Frappuccinos. Yes. <laughs> wedding and Frappuccinos. But you mentioned hayrides. So you lived in rural BC. Um, and now, but now you live in, you know, the hustle and bustle of Toronto. What is that like? And why, mm-hmm. what, what made that uh, change for you to, I mean, that's a big lifestyle change. Um, what's it like? And do you it like is. Toronto? <laughs> Well, I was
1: actually, I'm from Toronto. Oh, are you? I, I thought you were always from Vancouver. I know. No, I know. I, I move around. See, home mm. is wherever I I um I I rest my head. Mm-hmm. But um no, I lived in um I was I was born in Toronto, lived in Toronto, raised in Toronto, moved to um Ottawa to go to school, mm. and then um I got really bored. I wanted to go back to school, but in british columbia Mm -hmm. so i studied computer science in british columbia and met a boy who i really liked Mm -hmm. and it was his fault that i moved from vancouver to rural bc because (laughs) i liked him yeah (laughs) so i followed him home
0: Uh and
1: uh and that was carl so um he was raised on a farm a cattle ranch Mm -hmm. and we thought you know the price of of real estate in vancouver was going absolutely bonkers it Mm -hmm. boggled my brain that it would have to cost, you know, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a fixer upper. Mm-hmm. It's even more now. I know it's insane. But we did the math, and with our computer science backgrounds, we realized we could make something work in rural BC. Mm-hmm. Um, put our brains together and, and eke out an income, mm-hmm. and we bought a house, um, you know, with our savings. Because we were so diligent and careful wow. with our money when we lived in Vancouver, um, I mean, we rented a, um, a garden level suite. We didn't really, um, we didn't have automobiles. We mm-hmm. rode our bikes everywhere, took the bus, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. We didn't really have anything expensive we wanted or needed. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, took our city savings and, you know, put it aside. Mm-hmm. And with that, we bought a house straight out in rural British Columbia. And wow. Uh, we still own the house now, mm-hmm. but ultimately what happened was, um, we became parents mm-hmm. and, um, and I just felt the need to move back to to Toronto. I, I miss, as you said, the hustle and bustle of the city mm-hmm. and I'd been in real BC for close to 10 years. So wow. with my blogging business, um, I was constantly asked to do, um, Media stuff, mm-hmm. and I'd always have to turn it down because well, we didn't have high speed internet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, in rural BC you, you just don't have it. Yeah, and uh, you know I thought you know this is you know something I'd like to try and something I'd like to do, and my husband being a computer scientist, you know it's easy to get a a, a city uh, a city job in 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 tax, so mm-hmm. it was really easy for him to land work. So we just packed up the kid and moved East
0: mm-hmm.
1: and rent. We're, we're basically homeowners who rent. Yeah. So we leave, we kept our house and we just moved to Toronto and we rent, you know, um, a little semi and mm-hmm. life goes on. But nice. it, it was kind of a culture shock at first because I wasn't used to being around so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was used to being like, okay, there's a bear today, better not cross the street. <laughs> um, Oh, uh, someone left the fence open all the cattle got out okay let's round <laughs> them up um oh better be careful cougar sighting in the in the area oh like my that gosh. was that was the kind of stuff I would come across the day I woke up and had a moose in the backyard. That was really (laughs) eye opening because it felt like I was in prehistoric Canada. (laughs) if you've ever seen, well, if you've ever seen a moose in person, they're really, they're big, right? Strange looking beasts. Yeah. They're huge. They're huge. And with this long head and they just, they look out of place. They look like a prehistoric beast. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, um, I said, I said to Carl, I said, you know what? Like the bears knocked over the freezer outside I have a moose out back. I have bears in the front. I got a cougar on the patio. Um, I think it's Toronto time. Right
0: like I just I think this is a sign. We need to go. I think,
1: <laughs> I, need I think I think I've hit all the wildlife I need to see now. I think it's time for Toronto. <laughs> and it, awesome. that was it. Was really strange. And I, what else really hit me was all the stores. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm from the city, there wasn't as many storefronts mm-hmm. and big city malls as there are now. It seems like every corner you turn, there's another strip mall or another um, big box discount store um, or, or a luxury mall or what do you call those? Outlets. Yes. Outlet shopping is yes. so big now. Yes. I was like, what the heck is outlet? <laughs> it's a place you got to You drive there, you go in, you buy, you know, crazy stuff, you leave. It just, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, no bears here. (laughs) But I think that was the biggest shock. And the first month I came back, I basically, um, I went to the Eaton Center and just walked around and I'm like, wow, I wasn't used to seeing so many stores because for me to go shopping, I had to drive an hour and a half to get to the nearest mall. And uh, you had to really want to shop to, yeah. to drive that distance. So, And generally, we would only drive that distance and go into town if we needed, um, you know, kids supplies or groceries. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really an eye-opening change for me. And I just couldn't believe how much stuff there was.
0: Yeah. So much so, stuff um, and demand it, to take your money, basically. Yeah. and Ads
1: everywhere. And yeah. I just, I wasn't um, attuned to that anymore because... That noise doesn't exist in rural BC. Mm-hmm. So, getting accustomed to that kind of visual noise,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it took a little bit out of me because it was just, you know, even though I'm from here, I still wasn't used to it. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that was really eye opening. And I think I spent a couple of days just watching people shop, which <laughs> sounds really strange. If you write about consumer stuff, It's fascinating because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like um, Animal Planet. Like you watch people (laughs) around like the expensive purse section Mm -hmm. in like, I don't know, Saks Fifth Avenue and you see them, they hunt and look at purses and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of time devoted to like a piece of leather. I know. But you know, that's, that's, that's what they love. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was just fascinating for me to watch it because I've never seen that before, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know, so that from a kind of a, um, a farm to city perspective, that was a shock, but I mean, moving from the city like Vancouver to a farm that was shocking too, because mm-hmm. it was so quiet. Um, and it was, it was a real adjustment, not having things at your fingertips tips. Like I couldn't just go and grab a coffee. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have coffee in your house, there was no coffee. You'd mm-hmm. have to drive and get it. So it was a lot of planning and really careful grocery shopping you had to do before you left the house and Mm -hmm. went to town so that you didn't forget anything. So it was a really, you know, things weren't convenient anymore. Yeah. So living without convenience became okay. Yeah. You know, it was okay that everything wasn't there. You just kind of learned to make do with, you know, having no milk today or Mm -hmm. um, not enough laundry detergent. Oh, well, going into town next week, put it on the list, you know, Mm -hmm. laundry will have to wait another day um you know and stuff like that
0: yeah it sounds like a nice uh, simpler life do you ever kind of miss it compared to now living in the city because when you kind of describe that that sounds kind of like heaven like even the going without of some things like that sounds kind of nice well
1: it's it's different though I mean it's so quiet Mm -hmm. um you don't have the buzz of the city, and it's so dark because there's no streetlight. So mm. you, you have a lot of stars that you can see, and it sounds really great. You go for a walk, and it's like, oh, there's the bear. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, it's it's touch and go. Like it's a different kind of lifestyle. Um, I only had I only wore like jeans and plaid shirts and shorts and stuff mm-hmm. when I lived out there. So when I came back to Toronto, I all of a sudden needed clothing, which yep. was a real shock to my system <laughs> because I hadn't. Bought like um, work clothing in like ten years, mm-hmm. so it's like oh my gosh! I go into like a Banana Republic, and I'm like, I can't believe a dress costs three to four hundred dollars. I know, you know, and that's like the regular price. And I was like, Are you kidding me? This is a cotton dress.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was a shock to my system.
0: But it seems and, like because you uh, do have ha- a really good style, it seems like you've kind of figured out a way to you know keep up with city uh style but you seem you've embraced kind of the secondhand economy which i i think is really awesome and it's also becoming a lot more popular because people are realizing oh this this makes sense why do i have to buy everything new because i always whenever i see you i'm always in awe of like your outfit (laughs) i was like how did you get that that looks really nice
1: Well, this is the thing. So I I had to start from scratch because all I had were jeans and T-shirts, which were fine. And Mm -hmm. I actually, when I did TV and stuff, I would just wear jeans and put a blazer over top. Mm -hmm. But eventually it was just like, I think I'd like a couple dresses. Mm -hmm. So in the city, I started um, noticing all these consignment stores. Mm hmm. Are you still there? Yes. Oh good, there you are. Okay. I'm here. I was like, I'm gonna lose you on the secondhand economy. Because <laughs> people usually when I do a speech and I say everything I'm wearing is is used. People always sound so shocked. Mm-hmm. They they look at me with these big eyes, like, are you kidding me? Everything you're wearing is secondhand. I'm like, yeah. And it was something I really discovered when my daughter was little because I couldn't believe how much kids' clothing cost. Mm-hmm. It would be like if you go into baby gap, it would be like for a pair of baby jeans. Wow! And I'm like, are you kidding me? So, um, I was start venturing in thrift stores like value village or Goodwill or any of the local kids stores that were geared towards secondhand Mm -hmm. kids gear. And I would just stock up because it was, um, a savings of at least 80% on the garments. Mm -hmm. A lot of them still had tags on them and even if they had a stain or two, I knew my kid was going to destroy it anyway. So it didn't matter. We bought our stroller secondhand. It cost uh, 250 bucks for your basic Bob stroller mm-hmm. has the big wheels. It went over cattle guards really easy. And in the city you, you look like a bit of a bad arse with it. <laughs> and, um, I sold it for $250. Nice. So it was a wash really. I basically had, you know, Access to a stroller for three years until my kid didn't need anymore. So, mm-hmm. when you have a kid, it became a really good entry point for me to really venture into the secondhand economy with clothing mm-hmm. and then kids' toys like um, bicycles, um, cribs. As long as you check for recalls, you're fine. And it just was became a really um, thrifty way to spend the right amount of money I felt comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, kidding out my kid for less. And I mean she didn't care that she was wearing secondhand pants. Yes, of course not. She was just happy that they were pink. Mm-hmm. Right. And snowsuits, I mean, if you've ever gone to a store and see the price of a snowsuit, it's <laughs> shocking. So like I know it's like some stores sell them for 75, $80 for a friggin' snowsuit. And they'll wear it one year. Because right? The kid can only wear them. Yeah. I if even that, yeah. right? Sometimes mm depending on your kid growth for it'll grow out of your the kid will grow out of the snowsuit mm-hmm. mid-season oh my god and I've had parents struggling to find a second snowsuit or a second pair of boots mm-hmm. um, or the kid loses something mm-hmm. I mean kids lose stuff I don't know how my kid once came home with one boot but she did <laughs> and I had to go through I know I'm like you're costing me a fortune I had to go through the kids lost found to find her boot so it's these sort of things that make it really easy just to go secondhand because you mm-hmm. know they're going to wear it a short time if they destroy it it's not so bad and then you can resell it on the yeah. secondhand economy as well so basically after kidding out my kid and mm-hmm. secondhand clothing I thought well what's good for my kid is good for me mm-hmm. so I love shopping the secondhand economy for her so much that I shop there myself and I discovered in the city all these really high-end consignment stores mm-hmm. um for women and I was like, Are you kidding me? This is really high-end stuff. Like labels were like made in like Italy and France with with names like Dolce and Gabbana and you know, like mm-hmm. all the high end yeah. stuff. And the fabric, like I would touch the fabric and I'm like, well this feels better than a mall dress. Yeah. And it was the same price. Mm-hmm. It was 300 bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, well why don't I just buy the second hand dress made of wool and mm-hmm. silk? Mm -hmm. rather than spending on the cotton dress that doesn't feel as nice against my skin. Mm -hmm. And the thing is a lot of these higher end garments, um, they're cut better. So they look better on you. And I think that's the secret when you buy something that has good fabrication and good construction, Mm -hmm. It just looks looks better on the body. It does. So I guess that's why I look kitted out.
0: Because
1: it's like <laughs> it's the dress.
0: So you know, I feel like not I need me. to Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. No, I, it, I, I love that. Because honestly, yeah. I didn't know that there I I really had no concept of these kind of designer consignment stores. I didn't know that even existed because I didn't know anyone else that did it until I met you. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should check some of those places out. That's a great idea. <gasps>
1: And it's there's awesome. so many of them and mm-hmm. like it boggles my brain. I go in there and, um, I see all of it, this really high end clothing, some of it's unaffordable. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. some of it's thousands of dollars, but some of it still has tags on it and it's a couple hundred bucks. Wow. So you've got to pick and choose and find your sizes. I mean, there's usually only one of each in every store. Yeah. So if it's a little too big, then you can get it sized down, which is easy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if there's like a, a good hem on it, you can let it down or you can, you know, get it taken out. So it depends on the fabric and sometimes it's luck. But if the consignment store owner gets to know you, she can visually match you to her consignees. Mm-hmm. Um, and consign her so that if someone brings in stuff that she knows is going to fit you, she'll call you up. So Ooh. that's where I look out as well. Ooh,
0: I like that. You've
1: you developed relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And the second-hand economy is, isn't is just like the local consignment stores. I've done this online as well. So Facebook buy and sell groups are huge, um, and they're local to you. So I go online. Um, you, you got to need to look in your area. Yeah. So if you're in a rural area, Um, find a buy and sell group local to your area because then you can just meet people in person and exchange the goods for the cash. Mm -hmm. Bigger cities, it's easier. But the thing is, I find secondhand economy just as vibrant in rural BC as it is here in Toronto. And that's because there's less choice for shopping in rural areas. Mm -hmm. So people are more adamant about selling their stuff for cash yeah so people perceive they save around five hundred dollars a year by going secondhand and that can range anything from clothing kids gears um electronics like televisions um and off-road vehicles like snowmobiles that's really big to sell in Canada and people will sell their goods and they earn about eight hundred dollars a year just by offloading what you already have so again you know my kid's stroller would have been 250 Mm -hmm. um you know, I've sold some snowsuits. Some kids' shoes are huge. I can't believe like the value I get back from kids' shoes if they're not too scuffed up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So um, Facebook's a really great place for that. Mm -hmm. And some of the um, Facebook groups are specific for kids. Some are specific to high-end fashion. Some are specific to electronics. So read through the group first. Make sure um it's a good match for you. And if so, you, you probably need to request to join because they don't want just anyone spamming the group. They yeah. want to make sure that you know they want to vet you so it's a safe place. And see what other people are posting. Mm-hmm. And I find when I when I go to buy stuff, you need to get on there quick because if you're first, you're gonna be first in line to buy that good. Mm-hmm. People line up afterwards and say second, third, fourth. So if the sale falls through for the first person the next person on the list gets the good. Mm. And I've even seen like auction style things happening. So <laughs> I put my, you know, and that's good for the seller, yeah. right? So I put my kids, you know, snow pants online. I'm like, Hey, anyone near need a size three T snow pant? And I, I said, give me your best offer. Mm. And then people just started like offering me money for these pants. And I'm like, okay, I'll take the $15. Thanks. Nice. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you sell, A couple pairs of shoes, jeans, kids' snow pants. All of a sudden, you have your budget for the next season's clothing with your kid. So you can kind of recycle your cash that way. So it becomes not only an economic, viable thing to do, but it's really ecological as well because Mm -hmm. you're not going out and buying new stuff all the time. You're reusing stuff within your community. Mm -hmm. And I build relationships with other parents who I buy and sell with as well, Mm -hmm. and also other women. So I've resold some of the dresses I've worn. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they watch for me and they know their sizes. And when I put a dress online, they come and buy it from me in cash. So, um, it's a really cool way to just kind of create your own little economy because once you've done it enough, you vet who's safe and who's going to buy, um, you know, who's not going to try and lowball you too badly Mm -hmm. and you work it accordingly. So Facebook's great. Local consignment stores are great. Um, eBay, I, it's kind of hit or miss for me. Um, I found some good deals, but again, if you live in Canada, you've got to pay to have this stuff shipped here and then you go through duty. It's a bit of a pain in the butt. But, um, if you live, um, or have a mailbox in the United States, there's really big consignment stores for clothing. One's called the real real. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of amazing high end stuff there and they, they vet it to make sure it's authentic. Oh, nice. And there's one in Europe called the vestiaire collective. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of stuff that you can't buy here in North America. So more European brands, access to certain things that were never available on our market. So a lot of, um, I guess, the Dolce & Gabbana type stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, British designers like uh, Victoria Beckham, um, you name it, it's there. Mm -hmm. So secondhand purses too, if that's your thing, and shoes Mm-hmm. so that's basically how I kitted out my wardrobe. I just went all secondhand, mm-hmm. and um, if something was too big, you you take it to tailor and get it altered, and I think that's the other secret, that yep. people, you know, they expect everything off the rack to fit, mm-hmm. and I don't know anyone that fits off the rack. If you're the person that fits <laughs> off the rack, email me, because I want to know what you look like, but... um. <laughs> because I don't know anyone, you know, men get their suits to fit them, right? They go to buy a suit. It's alterations are just part of the package. And yet women don't seem to do that, Mm -hmm. but the clothing will fit so much better if you, you know, if you get it tailored just to fit you. So I think that's the other tip to make, you know, a less stellar dress look amazing is Mm -hmm. to pay that couple extra bucks and, and get it to fit your curves.
0: Absolutely. So
1: I think, you know, and I think that's it, but I find with going secondhand is I can afford to buy higher quality goods, for less money. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, you know, I feel good because it's sustainable when I buy a higher end good as well. It's easier to sell it later on Mm -hmm. because people want the quality fabrication and, you know, they're willing to pay for the brand name, Yep, you know, and that works for kids gear. It works for my clothing. Um, it works for, uh, sports equipment. So I was a competitive cyclist. Mm -hmm. I was able to resell my, my bicycles, you know, it works for that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the secondhand economy and I just, when I go into a mall, I feel really (laughs) shocked because I'm not used to seeing like 10 dresses, the same pattern all lined up on a rack. Mm -hmm. Cause if you go into a consignment store, it's just one of each type. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, basically if you, if you buy higher quality goods, it'll last longer. You'll feel better wearing it, Mm -hmm. um, or using it if it's, uh, a gadget or, you know, a bicycle. Mm Um, and I just feel like it's better value for my for my money because yeah. I would rather, you know, wear something that, that feels good and looks good mm-hmm. than something that is more the fast fashion or disposable garment yep. that you see at, like, the fast fashion retailers. And I think a lot of women spend a lot of money on fast, fast they do. fashion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when I go into, like, a, a value village, I see a lot of the fast fashion, you know, on racks and it's not selling because no one wants to rebuy it. Yeah. So I think that's a huge loss, you know. You you buy, and it doesn't last. Like no. you put it through the washing machine, even if you hang it to dry, the fabrication still warps, yep. and you know it's. It, I feel like I've wasted my money.
0: Mm-hmm. So by
1: spending a bit more on quality, um, I'm happy. You yeah. know. So I think that's the secret. You that know? is and, the secret and,
0: sauce for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think so. You know, it's like. Furniture, cars, and trucks. I I've bought and sold cars on um, Kijiji. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like Kijiji. I yeah, I, too. I always say to people, if you're going to use Kijiji or Facebook, make sure you use like the messaging apps, and you don't give away too much information about mm-hmm. yourself personally. Yeah, because um, you don't want people to know too much about you. Yeah, and exactly. I always meet, um, you know, someone in a public place when I do stuff on Kijiji. Mm-hmm. Usually at a subway station or something. Mm-hmm. Um. Just to be more safe, because you never really know, right? No, exactly. But,
0: yeah. No, my husband you know. just bought a used. He wanted to upgrade kind of his laptop, so it was a more powerful laptop, and he found one on Kijiji, and he met the guy at Eaton Center, and it was fine. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, it was a bit dented, but he tested it out with the guy and made sure it all worked, and he loves it, and it was so much cheaper than buying it brand new from the Apple Store." So, and, it, and it, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I just, I can't, I yeah. can't understand not
1: going secondhand first and if you're stuck and you need something, then, you know, go the firsthand economy. But, mm. um, people seem to think, you know, that the secondhand economy is gonna, you know, kill the firsthand economy, but it doesn't. Cause if you're the person selling your, your television, mm. you're looking to get the money out of your used television to buy a new one, right? Exactly. Like that's generally how it works. So basically, you just made a television that's perfectly usable, affordable for someone else, you know, like Mm -hmm. me. So, um, so yeah, and I mean, you got to be careful with taxes. If you go into business buying and selling stuff, you know, then tax becomes an issue. But Mm -hmm. if you're just a small buy and sell, you know, drop off on my porch type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you're good to go. Nothing there as well.
0: Yeah. Have you ever but, had yeah. experience? I don't know if you have, but cause I actually haven't tried it out, but have you ever tried out buns where it's actually more, it's just a straight up trade situation. There's no money involved.
1: I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> um, I have a friend who like trades like her clothing for bottles of wine. And <laughs> Amazing. This up. Yeah. So she's like, yep. Um, sold my skirt for wine. And I'm like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. I know. Yeah, it's but a whole different who world, world,
1: buns. Yeah, but it's to me, it's kind of like buns is kind of like the farm economy. Yeah. Um, when I lived on the farm, people barter and trade goods and services. So time. Um, so, for instance, when we were plowing our field, bringing in the alfalfa for the cattle and the horses, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'd have the equipment, but we needed someone to drive the truck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the guy next door would come and drive the truck to haul the alfalfa stacked mm-hmm. away the stacks of alfalfa away. And then we would go over to his field and farm with him. So that's kind of like a personal mm-hmm. bun. You're like, well, I'll exchange ten hours units of your work if you, you know, if if I can exchange that same amount of work for yeah. you. So mm-hmm. people do that or equipment. Like if you have a certain tractor, another farmer needs. Um, then you exchange that good for something else. So maybe the the farmer will say, okay, I'll give you 88 bales of hay, if I can use your tractor for three hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, this whole sharing economy has been around forever. We just didn't use social platforms to do it. We'd meet the person next door and say, hey, can I have a cup of milk? Yeah, right. So basically, buns is like, hey, do you have a bottle of wine? (laughs) I have a skirt. (laughs) You know, it's 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 facilitating that conversation in a in a very different way. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're not as friendly with our next door neighbors as we used to be, and it's hard when you live in a big apartment complex too.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's Mm -hmm. a really cool way um, to unload that
0: skirt if you're looking for, I guess, um, some liquor. (laughs) 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 But
1: yeah. But you haven't tried
0: it. I haven't. uh, My husband has and he has lots of friends. He has lots of musician friends that find it great to uh, upgrade gear. So if you find something that people are maybe undervaluing, you'll be like, oh, I'll trade you this piece of gear for that piece of gear. And then they kind of use it to kind of like up and up and eventually they can kind of start from one small piece of gear to like a really high priced piece of gear just by trading up, which is pretty crazy. It's a whole different thing going on there, but uh, pretty neat. Yeah,
1: I know it's gear, right? Mm -hmm. Well, my husband does ham radio. Mm. And so he started off with like an introductory radio, but you also need receivers and antennas. And I mean, I I don't even want to tell you what it is in a backyard, like sending (laughs) signals. I don't know. See, I don't get it. To me, you do broadcast, right? Yeah. He just wants to collect signals all over the world. But yeah, he started with, you know, secondhand radio Mm -hmm. and uh, traded up from there. It's the same sort of deal. So I think if you have a niche hobby, or, um, you know, interests that you do that requires equipment. Um, secondhand economy is great for that because you can, you can get your feet wet with entry level gear without paying, you know, retail prices for it. I I guess the same would be the same if you, if you have a kid who, you know, wants to try hockey, Mm -hmm. you don't have to buy all the hockey gear new. I, I look at parents who like go like to the sports store and buy skates and sticks and hockey equipment and, goalie equipment. I'm like the, the secondhand kids store down the block mm-hmm. has like goalie gear. Why don't you try it on there? Right. And yeah. it's, it's like 75% less. So if your kid isn't sure they're going to like the sport, you yeah. can buy it secondhand, like soccer shoes. I mean, I played soccer as a kid. Soccer is a fairly frugal sport to get involved in, mm-hmm. but you still need cleats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Get your shin pads new. Cause those are stinky, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think if you just, you know, go on a buns or go on Facebook or, you know, sleuth some of Mm -hmm. the local consignment stores and ask the store owner, it's like, oh, wow, I, this is, you know, your market. Do you know where I could find this? Mm -hmm. They all know each other. Yeah. All the consignment stores know each other and they all have their own niches and they all, you know um, frequent other people's stores and they kind of sleuth and check it out to see who's more competitive. Right. Mm-hmm. So they know everyone and they know if you're not going to buy something there and they direct traffic elsewhere, you know, that's going to come back to them,
0: totally. you know, with
1: the storekeeper, you know, sending stuff back. So people back. So, um, ask, yeah. I, I think that's something we're really shy as Canadians. We don't do, <laughs> we're like, Hey, I came in here looking for soccer gear or hockey gear. Where can I find that? Or, I'm looking for this amp or I need a cool radio or a new television or Mm -hmm. laptop, you know, people know, people People know, people, people know, and they'll share it, you know, and they'll, they'll help you along. And I think if you just, you know, ask the question, it's like, Hey, Oh man, I love your store, but I'm looking for this. Can you put me in the right direction? People want to be helpful. Um, and you know, the same thing is like, if someone shows me something, that's gorgeous, but I just can't afford it. I tell them, I'm like, this is the most gorgeous jacket I've ever seen, but it's so out of my budget. What else do you have, you know? Mm-hmm. And you move from there. So there's no ill feelings, you know. And maybe if they don't have anything in stock because it's a consignment store, if they get something more in their budget, you leave your number and they call you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's another way to do it. So, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> wow. I'm, How I'm is that? You you've inspired me to like definitely start sleuthing online <laughs> that's for sure and i'm sure you've inspired a lot of people listening to do the same because i think a lot of people just don't there's no there's a lack of awareness people just aren't they they aren't aware they don't know so you are living proof that uh you can you know buy some awesome stuff for 75 percent off <laughs> and then least. sell it <laughs>
1: I mean I found a nice couple and I just gave them my kids crib for free. They mm-hmm. came off Kijiji, they met us. It was like a an IKEA crib. It cost us like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, like people get all like ramped up about buying an expensive crib. Mm-hmm. But I'm like The crib is the most expensive piece of furniture your kid will chew on Yeah. because when they start teething, they chew on the crib. So I said, there's some chew marks on this. Um, if you like the crib, I can give it to you for free. I like you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and I threw in all the bedding and I was able to offload all this stuff I no longer needed. Mm -hmm. And it felt really good because I basically free cycled it. So,
0: um,
1: you know, I created space, helped out a nice young couple and, um, Got rid of the stuff I didn't need anymore, and mm-hmm. that's like part of the battle, right? Yeah. If you have got a growing kid, they grow out of stuff. You all of a sudden have like kids' stuff you don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, secondhand economy, make it your first economy.
0: I love that.
1: And then, <laughs> and then buy my kids' gear. It's <laughs>
0: I like that also. That's awesome. Well, find thank- me
1: online. Buy my
0: stuff. <laughs> you should have that. As, you should have a little buy and sell section of your website. Just be like, FY, this is what I'm. You know, oh, anyone's
1: buying and selling, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for enlightening me and everybody else about the secondhand economy, something that I hope becomes uh, more popular and more common uh, in the next few years because I think it's amazing. Not only is it, you know, a kind of a financially responsible thing to do, but also environmentally friendly and, you know, helps the economy and everything like that. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And I feel like we could probably talk for another half an hour, but <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> let's just... Yeah, <laughs> but I I, I appreciate I you <laughs> taking these uh, 40 minutes uh, chatting with me. It was fabulous, okay. as always. My pleasure. And that was episode 105 with Carrie Taylor. Make sure to check out her blog, squawkvox.com, or follow her on Twitter, at Squawkvox. And of course, check out the show notes. I'm going to put some information about stuff that we talked about in there. All you have to do is go to jessicamorehouse.com slash 105. Five. super easy um and of course as always uh big thanks to well simple for supporting the mo money podcast and sponsoring this episode of the show thank you so much and in case you aren't aware, Well Simple is the fastest-growing automated investing service in Canada. Well Simple uses smart technology to help you create and manage a diversified investment portfolio, saving you time and money. In other words, they are one of the most popular, biggest robo advisors in Canada, and I highly recommend them. They are awesome, and uh, they're just a really simple way to start investing today. And you don't have to go to an office and talk to a suit to do it. And uh, if you want to get your investments on through Well simple uh make sure to do it the next couple days through my affiliate link wellsimplecom slash morehouse uh up until april 30th so times of ticking, guys uh you can get your first ten thousand dollars of investments with no management fees for one year none for one year So make sure to go to WellSimple.com slash Jessica Morehouse to take advantage of this special offer before it expires. And uh, before I go, I've been lucky enough to get some podcast reviews. Thank you so much, guys, for giving me some reviews. All right. The first review I have is from Jenny Jen 55 from Canada. She says, Hi, Jessica. I absolutely love this podcast. I cannot get enough. I've been listening to all the episodes during my spare time. I love the topics covered. The questions you ask are great and the guests you've had seriously got me thinking about the details of my own personal finance journey. Keep it up, girl. Jenny, fellow personal finance geek. Well, thank you, Jenny, for the review. I appreciate you. And I hope you enjoyed your shout out on this show. Uh, Another one I got from the US of A, uh, Anurag4343 uh, says, I love Jessica's podcast. Simple and not filled with jargon, yet drives the point home. More power to her. More power to you, Anurag4343. 4343 from USA. Woo! Um, and one more before I go from Colbrand Flakes from Canada. I started listening to this podcast three days ago, and I am hooked. Working as a value engineer in London, Ontario, my job is quite literally to save my company money, but I have been struggling with my own school and credit debt for three years since I graduated. Feel your pain. Feel it. Uh, after listening to this podcast and reading more about managing personal finances from people like Galvez Oxlade, I've become seriously motivated to get in control of my debt. The variety and insight there's to get jessica and her guests discuss is eye-opening and you are sure to learn something of value each episode keep up the good work jessica and hopefully in six to eight months after i've been successful at paying off my debt i can come on as one of your listener series episodes absolutely for real i would love to have you on the show and if you uh listening right now would like to get a special shout out from me on a future episode it's super easy all you have to do is leave me a review on itunes takes you two seconds but uh, it will be pretty awesome once you hear your name and your review. Just saying. Um, and uh, that's really it from me. I am super excited. I'm taking a much-needed vacation this weekend. Me and the HB are uh, taking a few days to literally unplug we're gonna try not to look at any of her uh devices and just like play cards drink some wine watch some movies and chillax so i hope you have some plans to do the same soon because you're awesome and you deserve it all right i will see you back here next wednesday